I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every fucking time. <laughs> I'm joined by Shawn Michaels, HBK. I'm just a sexy boy. We're back. And Booker T. Five times. Five times. What are you doing? Five times. Five times. Five times. Five times. Time. 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 <laughs> <laughs> WCW champion. Two times on the podcast, but five times. <laughs> Don't worry. Start again. Go again. <laughs> Today we're talking about streaming wars. And this is not when you're having a race at the urinal. Wow. If you would like to co-host a future episode of Bank Bros, please let us know. (laughs) Positions are open. (laughs) We're talking about, we're talking about the crime that is DSTV. People are shaking their heads in the studio. Our creative director, Ray Mysterio, is distraught. He's a man that thrives off my 600 pound life. Say yes to the dress, big and little. Date my family. That's the wrong list. Bursuka Pro, bro. Bursuka Pro. Pro. He loves these shows. He loves repeats of Anaconda. And he doesn't want to pay money to be watching X on the beach, repeats of Love Island, Survivor. What, what season is Survivor on now? That'd be like 31, 32 now. Or ridiculousness. How many hours of ridiculousness have we been forced to watch? It's awful. It's terrible. But how, how do we even get here? How do we get to a point where we are watching Cake Boss and I've been to Buddy's Bakery in New York and it is fucking overrated. The the creep donuts that you have at Spa are better than Cake Boss. I said what I said. Buddy, if you hear this, hit me up. You're not a real baker. Hit, said what but I also, said. perhaps more importantly, if you know about the best cream donut in SA, hit us up. Do, do the community a solid. Help the people. <laughs> Tell us about the best cream donuts in the game. Comment on our post. HPK's HPK's over here being like, help the community out. This is for you, my guy. Why you don't don't go around the community? I love a good cream donut. The K in HPK says we're crispy. Crispy cream. (laughs) We see you out there at the filling station at three in the morning, buying those donuts. Do better. that, do better. Those, those, that three pack of donuts at the at the garage is is what is suppressing our people. It's what hold, it's what's holding us back. That is the you know biggest. You what's holding threat. us back? 
You know what's holding us back? A lack of options when it comes to entertainment. Live entertainment. Streaming. The ability to click something and watch. Now, I know you're listening to the broadcast and you're thinking to yourself, well, I love to Netflix and chill. You're probably thinking, I hate deciding what to watch. You probably spend more time scrolling and deciding what to watch than actually watching stuff. The curse of too much choice. Let's get into that. At what point do you have a strategy, a roadmap, a set of tactics where you decide, I'm going to watch this series. I'm gonna, this is on my watch list. Someone right now is listening to the Bank Bros podcast thinking, I have an entire list of things to watch and I haven't watched any of them. It's a terrible place to be. But we're in an era where we've graduated from waiting for ETV at half past eight till Thursday night to watch Wednesday night Smackdown. We've graduated from the point where we have to fight for the TV because at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday is also, on a Thursday, is also top billing. And we get to see Chili D go to overpriced houses that are owned by business mill. By business mill, I mean people who are committing tax fraud blatantly, which you only will find out about five years later. Top billing in many yes. instances. The, the Lockerville twins every second month. Crime. The Lockettville twins. I mean, do you have, even have celebrities in South Africa? It's so I, I got so sick of the Lockettville twins. I just I wanted I wanted them to fall. I stopped I stopped believing Listen. in them. I was tired of them. But toppling, toppling weddings. Here we have a black rugby player who's married a blonde woman from Pretoria every week. That is it. At a nature resort or a farm in Stellenbosch. Botanical. Oh, that is it. I, I, I'm sick of weddings on Top Billing. What, what is the best part of Top Billing if there was one? Deadly silence. This is like asking me, what was your favorite part of Afrikaans class? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, do, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> no, but <laughs> the thing is, you know, you know, Shawn Michaels is an old timer. Shawn Michaels has been in the game for, for, for a minute. I remember when, when toppling was two hours. Two hours. My guy, that, no that thing, that thing was, it felt like a movie. You know what, you're talking about toppling for two hours. Have you ever remembered Seville Delan? Hey, the Omnibus. Where they show all the episodes back to back. Obas was my boy. Oh, that didn't Obas it. cheat on Hilda? Nah, or don't bring he, that up. They, 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 they cheated. They did, did, they did, did. Obas dirty to like a playboy. So we've got Seville Delan. We've got toppling. But the best show that has united South Africa happened at 4.30 on a weekday on SABC2. Yes, we watched for six months Goal fight Cell. We watched Goku fight Frieza. Stay tuned for the next episode. And the reason you, we, oh, not you, we all have commitment issues right now is because of the way Dragon Ball Z was structured. Nah, but Dragon Ball Z Because we kept staying tuned and nothing fucking happened. Nah, but it was whack though. God's out there 10 years old, getting slapped about, getting his ass beat by Sal, and there's his dad standing there smiling. That shit was messed up, man. 
Gohan, you know what? People always trash talk Gohan. They're like, my man never amounted to anything. But if you were his age and you were getting beat beat up the way he was as a 10-year-old, I too would pursue academia. I too would, would, would hang up my boxing gloves. <laughs> yeah, I never Goku was a deadbeat dad. Goku was a deadbeat dad. But anyway, listen, guys, we've got something to discuss today. Some agreements on this podcast. <laughs> I love about I never, I never got to watch. I never got to watch Dragon Ball Z as a kid, so I can't contribute, man. Wow. Yeah. You're a victim. Mm. Here we go, CSI. Yeah. What did you watch as a kid? So all that stuff. So during the week, I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Uh, at all like it was just meant to be come back from school do your homework and go to bed but then also all that stuff like pokemon dragon ball z and all that stuff harry potter as well my 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 parents said that that stuff is evil you know it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatnot so I they're right to watch it <laughs> they were right <laughs> i wish you guys could see how sad everyone around the table is looking at me right now i'm getting i'm getting pats on the back of me here you're a victim mm. here we go csi uh, don't worry. I mean, like, I, if I had to, I had to. If I wanted to watch a Champions League match, I had to, like, on Monday night, I had to file file the application with with the people, with the relevant powers that be, uh, emphasize why it's an important game, and then I could watch. But apart from that, it was, it was there's no TV, dude. Wow, this man went from now watching Harry Potter, and now all he does is slithering the DMs. <laughs> And if you if you listen to last week's episode, listen to that before you listen to this one. But you'll know that I I slid I slid her in unsuccessfully. There we go. Stop. <laughs> At least he's honest. HPK. But, <laughs> but what what did listen? What did Booker T miss in that in that phase of his life? Take us through what he missed when it comes to broadcast and TV. Did he miss? DVDs, VHS, you probably missed VHS at some point, putting cassettes in, going to the video store. I remember HBK Shawn Michaels was very adamant on watching the SpongeBob movie. Oh. And he, you want to you share the story with the so, bank bro? I mean, I was, I was, I was big on, on the SpongeBob movie. And here's the thing, context is what's important, right? So back in the day, those of us who had to rely on government TV, there were no satellite dishes in your household, which meant you were dependent on a bunny ears aerial to get you the signal you needed to watch what you needed to watch. And that thing never, and that thing never, never did you right. So you were out there doing gymnastics, putting it on your head, doing angles, just so you could get a glimpse of SpongeBob at 5 p.m. Because for some reason, the TV signal wasn't consistent. And what, what you were seeing at 4.30 wasn't what you were seeing at 5. And, and, and that was the catalyst that, that made the video store triumph. Because I was all about those DVDs, all about those VHSs, because you knew you were going to get a good quality picture. And that was the struggle. The, the struggle was trying to, trying to decipher Mnet after open time has ended. The type of people who don't rewild the cassette, the VHS. I see Ray Mysterio's is a Greek in the studio here. I don't even know how old this guy is, man. Were you around when they had, uh, you know, uh, Greg Bell came up with the first telephone? <laughs> did you did you use smoke signals? No. So, I mean, there, there was an entire industry, and one of those industries were Blockbuster in the U.S. And here, 
Mr. Video, which now I'm convinced is just a storefront for illicit activities. Any video like store eggs. in South Africa. Exactly like, like bank, bank, well, bank, bank <laughs> eggs is, is not a storefront. It, it's an engine room for illicit activities. But, I mean, we don't try to hide it. No, we don't. And, and that's a good thing. You know, why, 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 why lie about it down the line? But here's the thing about video stores is, strangely enough, Netflix started out as a DVD company, right? Netflix started out by renting out DVDs by mail all the way back in 1997. And at that point, video rental stores completely dominated the market. And... The market wasn't friendly, and you would recall having a little slot in a door where you'd have to return the videotape at any time by pushing it through so that, you know, you didn't have a late payment penalty if you didn't return it on time. And that model was disrupted very, very quickly because at the time, when VHS dominated the market, you're talking about the late 90s in America at least, only 2% of American households owned a DVD player. 2%. And I remember a conversation with my old man where he felt that DVDs are going to come and go. I remember this. He just thought, well, DVDs are here, yeah, but you can't beat a cassette, right? Put a cassette in. You, you know, you watch it, it's, it's an experience, and it's a sign of how quickly the entire market transformed. Eventually, 95% of all American households had a DVD player in such a short space of time, just like that, overnight. But then eventually, and DVDs came and went. And eventually, DVDs came and went. Yeah. Right? And, and it's it's such a great example of first mover advantage, not being an advantage. Second mover advantage, not being an advantage. But there is no advantage, right? Yeah. If you well, think of it. It's an example of, of competitive advantage not being enduring, right? So, I mean, when DVDs became the, the preemptive technology and suddenly you had this alternative way to get access to all of these this entertainment and media and gaming and whatever, for a while, it became massive. But like any industry that was disrupted, it was ripe for disruption again. And that's when the Netflixes of the world came in. You know, you had the early 2000s and with it, the emergence of, you know, widespread internet access, um, access to devices, things like that the iPod and iTunes, and that brought with it a whole era of digital content, but also piracy, you know, the Napsters of the world. And now suddenly this model that existed for such a long time of going to the video store and hiring a movie or watching it on TV had this viable alternative, going on to a shady ass website, you know, risking your computer getting some STD of some sort but you could get the new, you know, the new Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious 2, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, you didn't have to pay a cent for it. And that changed the game. And I, and I think it's all about 
I, 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 I think it's all about it, it's all about trends. So, you know, when when you look into like the late forties, when we were all and everyone was using you know, TV sets and so on and so forth, they they wanted to consume entertainment, and that's why those were so successful back then. But then people wanted to consume entertainment whenever they wanted to consume it with a little bit of selection, and that's why. You know, DVDs, you didn't have to wait for 7 p.m. for the for the Anaconda repeat. If you have the DVD, you can watch it whenever you want to watch it. Um, but then people took that convenience one step further, and that's why it's, it's, it's more of a, I want access to a wide range of entertainment all the time. And, and that's how you get to this. But, you know, it's, it's, it's examples of, of competitive advances not being enduring, but it's also, you know, when innovating, you really have to look at what are the trends in, with people and the cross-cutting trends that apply to all industries, um, which is a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting topic. And it's kind of why we're here today to kind of assess how this happened, why this happened. I mean, Booker T, you talk about convenience, but the irony is that too much choice is actually a bad thing. You know, we speak about the ability for you to scroll endlessly, doom scroll through Netflix, through social media, never ending, right? Because we're in the attention economy right now. And if you look at Netflix, the entire model was to say exactly that, Booker T. You don't have to wait a week to watch your favorite show. You can binge the entire season in one go. And Netflix have now realized maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe we need to extend the conversation on social media and adapt a model where we release episodes weekly or we release a season in two parts like they did with Money Heist and like they did with many shows. So HBO Max do it now, right? Every week, people wait for an episode of Euphoria on Twitter. You'll see it explode. They go out there and they engage with the content. You see a shit ton of memes. Same thing happened with Game of Thrones. Every single week, there was an event. People would stay up until three in the morning to catch an episode of Game of Thrones when it aired in the US on a bad stream. Just to see it fizzle, the way it fizzled. It's it's painful, it hurts. Uh, they, did, they did us dirty. No, but you know the thing is people, you know, people often say, you know, I'll never forget that you wronged me. But in the case of Game of Thrones, we all were wronged and we just collectively made the decision to forget. This thing went from being a cultural phenomenon to something that we don't even want to talk about anymore. We have all, we, there's a social contract that we have all signed that we will not promote, publicize or discuss this, this material anymore. And we all abide by it. You say that, but we're talking about it on the podcast right now. <laughs> we're talking, yeah, but this is a disruptive podcast. We, yeah, we're, we're talking, you know nothing, Charles, no. But listen, you talk about uh, downloading episodes and, and a bad quality stream. Do you remember how long it took to download music using dial-up internet? Right. Ooh, Ellie, Ellie, get trolled, hey? Oh, I've got you, a, I've you got a it was the worst. You Tell us your story. The, you, you think you're downloading the latest Kanye album and all of a sudden it's some guy that's uploaded his own SoundCloud rapper music on the version that they had back then. <laughs> Just said it's Kanye West's new album. I was some random guy over here has been like, hey guys, sorry about this, but enjoy the beats. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
the, the worst is when you want to download like now now 25 remember now now when they, they put this yeah, compilation yeah. of songs together so if you wanted to download music the best bang for your buck was to download you know now because you were getting all the latest music and then so i remember once i spent like three weeks i had this thing on queue on the download you know and when this thing finally finished it was a zip file i was super excited i opened it up what do i find it's now 25 or whatever it's all these songs but it ain't the original version of the songs. It's some it's some band performing the song. So it's covers it's covers of of Mariah Carey, We Belong Together, sang by some dude <laughs> in a band. And they had sung all of these songs. It's some bullshit, man. You know, you're out there downloading the Fast and Furious movie and next thing you see it. And there's a guy walking in the cinema <laughs> across the across the, the screen some some pakistani dude took his phone with the phone camera and he just pirated it and, and you know we'll talk about intellectual property theft and you know data privacy and just general piracy and how it's destroyed a large section of, of an entertainment business but at the same time how common place it's become i mean let's face it, it, it it's if you go and ask a friend for drugs, yeah, it's a terrible example because perhaps my friends are okay if I ask them for drugs. But if you were to ask a person on the street, hey, show me where you can get drugs, they'll probably be like, whoa, that's a, that's kind of a tough question. Why are you asking me that? If you say, hey, where can I get uh, arms or guns from? Or where can I you know, hire child labor? You know, they'll look at you like there's something wrong with you. But it's not as taboo if you ask someone send me a stream for the game right hey i'm watching the game do you have a stream nobody thinks twice no one turns around and says hey bukachi you're a thief you're a criminal why are you asking me for a stream you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a house you'd steal a house but you'd steal the highlight you'd steal the arsenal game and you know a big part of the attitude that that is interesting and the psychology behind why many people don't view it as traditional theft is how people perceive big media and how they truly believe that they are being ripped off that they are being fucked for a product you know everyone in the studio shaking their heads in agreement because yesterday we saw this absolute avalanche of negative press as it relates to DSTV and Booker T will tell us why and it just cascaded into thread upon thread of what are the alternatives what are the streams you can watch where can you get sport for free and very few people if any stopped and said hey this is illegal or this is criminal it's just let's stick it to the big guy these guys are fucking us over, I don't feel anything about fucking them over back. Booker T, why was DSTV in the news? 100%. I mean, look, so so DSTV do have a uh, DSTV Now, which is pretty much enables you to watch live TV, watch catch up, um, but not on the TV itself, but you can actually watch it on your laptop, tablet, so on and so forth. Now they have rules and restrictions in place when it comes to this to prevent the sharing of passwords and so on like netflix have been trying to do for ages 
Um, and you have to have registered devices per each person's profile, uh, which, you know, fair enough. And uh, when it comes to simultaneous viewing, you can have you know, two people watching simultaneously at the same time. So if one person wants to watch in the TV room and other person and the other two people on the same account want to watch in their individual bedrooms, it works fine. Uh, but DSTV came out yesterday and said even that limited amount of just two people that stream simultaneously, they've cut that down to one, which has obviously caused uproar because uh, it limits the amount of choice that people have. You're allowed to watch now on the main DSTV channel and you can only have one different stream going. If you're a family of three people, which that's, that's just two parents and a kid for example, and you all have different tastes, uh, one of you has to miss out. And if you think about the cost that people are paying for the service, you know, DSTV is what, I mean, like 830 Rand for a premium subscription. Um, it's kind of nonsense that you can only have two simultaneous or two different people watching different items off of that channel if you, if you uh, promised so much in terms of the number of different accounts and the number of different registered devices. But, but you know, Booker, I think what you're touching on is a really important point, and I, I appreciate the the, the very uh, you know the very sensitive way in which you framed it. But I think the the reality <laughs> is the reality is the people are pissed because we've got the Netflixes, we've got the you know Showmax to a lesser extent. We've got all these. We've got the YouTube. We've got the YouTube. We've got all these streaming alternatives, which are in many cases, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month or free, that offer you world-class entertainment. I mean, you use Netflix as an example. In 2021, Netflix broke the Emmys record for the most Emmy awards by a single studio in history. They won 44 Emmys. Second place was another streaming site, it was Disney Plus. So, you know, we as as a as South Africans and as a South African market, we now have access to globally competitive world-class content. And so we're looking at our local offering and we're and we're like, guys, we don't feel like, you know, you charging us eight times the cost of a Netflix subscription or four times the cost of a Netflix Netflix subscription is justified and I don't and we don't appreciate you pulling pulling your shit because we know we're paying you too much anyway. Yeah it's twofold. It's twofold because first and foremost Netflix has better content, right? I think people have DSTV subscriptions because they want to watch sport. <laughs> so Netflix has better content as a starting point. And then when you move away from that Netflix, if you have five different people on the account, six different people on the account, which I think is the max, all six of you can watch simultaneously. So they have better content to offer and a better service offering, yet we're paying four times more. And then DSTV goes and says, yeah, look, I already subpar con uh, service offering. We're going to make that worse, but you also still have to pay us the same amount of money. Naturally, there's going to be uproar. And I think what's happening now is, is everyone is just searching for what's the solution how do we get away from them full time um which makes me wonder why on earth they even did this in the first place yeah but you know we talk about the streaming wars that we see in the u.s whether we're seeing it across paramount viacom hbo max disney plus netflix and when you look at south africa in terms of the digital media cycle as it relates to entertainment there's three distinct phases 
that happens. You know, the first phase is device, devices. The second phase is data. And the third phase is distribution. Now, you recall a time where every conversation centered around Africa related to mobile penetration. That was a device conversation. Everyone had the conversation around when is Africa going to become very connected? When are we going to have more mobile devices? When are we basically just going to have the equipment, the infrastructure to operate on a global stage? And you have noticed that conversation now has diminished somewhat because there's a high level of mobile penetration in Africa, particularly South Africa. However, the conversation moves to the next point, which is data. Data in South Africa is prohibitively expensive. It is becoming slightly cheaper if you have the luxury of being connected to fiber, but not many people do have fiber. But for those people who do have fiber, and they do have devices, smart TVs and smartphones. The next level is distribution, which is the YouTubes, the Netflixes, the Spotify's, and that becomes a conversation around which platform do I use? Now, many of the broadcast listeners on Bank Bros are thinking, wow, I have so many subscriptions right now. I have Apple Music, I've got Spotify, I've got Netflix, I've got Showmax, I may have Amazon Prime. Premium. Of a Polar Premium. And listen, Polar Premium, again, like as a, as a fellow creator and as someone who's created a, a lot of content to make that machine yeah. work, I don't feel it's the oil it's that, worth. As the oil that lubricates the machine. I, I, as, as, as the oil that I, I personally feel, look, we, we chat about OnlyFans and Polar, but I'm not sure that subscription is worth it. Um, it just isn't, you know, the world is moving away from professionally curated content to more amateur content. And that relates to Netflix as well, right? Yeah. Where people don't want to watch, uh, pe people want to watch old content, locally produced content, you know, that, and that used to be a big value proposition for DSTV, where they'd say, hey, we're making stories by you, for you. And now Netflix turns around and they're putting these big budget local productions and a great example is what they've done with uh, South Korean film and South Korean series. It's absolutely incredible now that all of us are out here watching uh, K dramas <laughs> in the week and telenovelas. And they bang. And they bang. And they bang. And they bang. So, uh, you know, have that conversation. Someone yesterday on Twitter said to me, well, you know, if you guys are being very disruptive and you're not supporting DSTV, they're inherently not supporting local creators. And, you know, that argument is incredibly flawed because we can't be held ransom to support local creators who are producing, in, ma in many instances, poor quality output for the sake of entertainment. Now, right? guys, and if you look at... Yeah, and listen, also, Go ahead, go ahead, no, look, let's be real. I mean, like, even you look at like what Idol's essay looks like now, guys. You look at what, like, you know, some, 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 of, the, some of the reality shows that are being put out locally, guys. That stuff is pure manure. That thing is trash. That thing is ass. And you compare that to the reality show content that you can get access to. You could be watching, you know, 
MasterChef Australia. Too hot to handle, boy. Too hot to handle. Love is blind. Love is blind, dog. Love is blind. Let's see shine shine lights here. Hey, that goes crazy. But I mean, look, at the same side, I don't don't think you're, you're disadvantaging South African creators by looking at Netflix. Netflix has purely South African yeah. made shows. Is that one uh, Blood and Water? Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's that. high quality. Yeah. Yeah. High quality, quality. storyline. I think strong production. one that I thought was hilarious. What was it? How to Ruin Christmas? That one was also really good. Yeah. Um, so they are South African shows. And, and best believe, as I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this, I read that Disney Plus is coming here in 2022. I think people have noticed that South Africa has a big population base, right? I think it's like the top 25 biggest populations um in the world and there's a lot of us that are converting to this subscription streaming service um so they know that they need to produce local content so the fact that these have already started you can definitely expect a lot more going forward and high production high value high quality outcome you know it's not going to be some guy who's been and again you know we seem to recycle the same fucking 10 people to act in everything in south africa and, and they call it, yeah. you know, this young actor. I'm like, dude, you're 58 years old now. You're not young. Like, give it up, right? It's, you know, that's, it's, that's, it's, it goes back to Top Billig. Yeah. Yeah, Top Billig would have the same people. How many fucking times they had Danny K on there? And Minky Fadlervestes. And, <laughs> you know, who else did they have on, on Top Billig? was Grapes. Oh, my goodness. I yeah, mean, I the same handful of people, <laughs> right? On everything. On everything. And... What is showing you on Netflix, like Bloody Water is a great example, is a lot of the a- actors weren't famous before the show, right? They weren't, they weren't household names, but now they are. And, you know, the ability to discover talent overnight has manifest, testament to the power of social media and the digital media channels that allow creators to curate their own content and distribute it through platforms. YouTube's a great example. Justin Bieber was a YouTube artist, right? Started on YouTube, made it big. If you look at YouTubers in South Africa, these are household names who would never have gotten an opportunity through traditional media because of how a competitive it is but b they were able to create top quality production and they still do on a very small budget right they point the smartphone they record it they upload it and you look at any top youtuber right now in the world and you go all the way back to their first videos and you'll actually see there's a guy without a ring light without a proper setup he's hustling it out in his bedroom He's just kind of pointing and shooting. And as he develops, he's now got better quality sound equipment, better quality camera, better lighting, better content production on the script, better graphics. And all of this happens over time. And you see people become not just great content creators, but incredible visual artists. Because they've been able to put together an entire production using one app as one person on one platform. Now you compare that to a film crew or a TV crew where you have this massive overhead. It's expensive to shoot. It's expensive to pay actors. Goes on for days. And you can get out content in 30 seconds on YouTube right now. And on a click of a button, reach 
10,000, 100,000, a million people within three days. But I, you know, I think that's a fantastic point, and I think there's there's even more to it. You know, I think the one, the big boys are coming. You know, the Disney Pluses, the, the Amazons of the world, and they've got big budgets, and they they recognize and realize this truth. And you know, you know, the bank bros are all about research, and so so we did our homework, and there's a fantastic case study of this, and that case study is Disney. Disney wanted to expand into India. And so what did they do? They went out and bought Star TV, which was a local content producing platform. And they created a, and they basically, you know, bankrolled the expansion of this, this platform and pushed out di- mobile first, digital first content. And they experienced massive, massive growth in that market with a very, very localized, you know, a community relevant value offering. And so the the truth is that we are in a world that is globalized and it's not, it, it's just simply not good enough to ignore the fact that South Africa is a viable market and, you know, global players are going to be targeting it and local audiences can expect more and expect better. I think it's such a great point that you raised HBK and I was on the last earnings call uh, last month on, on, on Netflix and that was the, the period where the stock price tagged 25% you know on that day and something came up on, on that earnings call with you know the, the exec team um, and one of the questions that they asked was you know Netflix actually reduced their prices in India and the question was, you know, what's the strategy here? I mean, what, what are you doing? You're reducing prices, you know, that's generally a negative signal. Are you not getting enough traction? And, you know, what Netflix said was a couple of things as it relates to emerging markets. They, whenever they enter a new market, they've got to start off with a benchmark price point, which means that they are 100% sure that's the steady state rate. That's a good place to be. So they started out, and in order to maximize revenue, if they find it sticks, then they can increase revenue, and if they feel like there's not enough traction, then they reduce revenue. But in India, the cost of cable is roughly $3 a month per household. Right? That's 45 rands for cable. So, you know, when they have to compete with their pricing, they have to consider the cost of alternatives and competition in the local market, as well as the exchange rate conversion in dollar terms. Now, when you compare that to South Africa, it ties back into the point that HBK and Booker T made, which is people are benchmarking how much they're spending on streaming services against how much they're paying DSTV every single month. And when you see that divergence, the opportunity cost of spending that extra five, six, seven, eight hundred a month starts to look steeper and, and, and steeper. The last thing to say about India, we think it's quite an important conversation to have, is they understand the importance of own content because they have own content now from Turkey, Russia, Argentina, Mexico, Sweden, even Denmark. And they understand that in order to keep people engaged in a local context, they have to be churning local content. It's the lifeblood of ensuring these platforms are relevant 
they have cultural longevity, they're relatable to the local audience, and most importantly, they create a dependence on the platform that allows for subscriber stickiness. That's why emerging market focus is so important. Also because LA, we've got two former management consultants here on the, on the call. You know that, you know, A, everything is hinges on your total addressable market and your ability to penetrate, but yeah. B, developed markets for Netflix are actually quite saturated. They're growing considerably faster outside the US than they were in the US when they launched a few years ago. I'm but telling I, you and right I think now, and DSTV announced that yesterday, they got a, a whole lot more subscriptions from the anti-Netflix. <laughs> a whole lot more. People are done out here. But I think it's also, I mean, it touches on the way, the direction this industry is going. And the reality is that what we are seeing in the developed market is that streaming has become an intensely competitive landscape. You've got, you know, in South Africa, when we talk about streaming, we talk about it in the context of Netflix, Showmax. In the US, you're talking about Netflix, you're talking about Showmax, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Disney Plus, Paramount, Peacock, HBO, all, you know, HBK, HBK Hulu, all the, all of these things and, and all of these platforms are competing for attention. They are competing for content. And the reality is that what share they are- wallet. Share of wallet, exactly. That's exactly the point. Because the, the truth is that, you know, cable might be expensive and so much more expensive than streaming. But if you're really going to experience a saving, you only do that by having fewer streaming sites, right? Because if cable's 10 times the cost of streaming, but you have 10 streaming sites, then you, you're net net, you're in the same position. So you are with what they're starting to see is people are starting to be more selective about which platforms they subscribe to. And that has an impact on content. It has an impact on audience. And it means that it's no longer good enough to just create a streaming platform and expect people to buy it. And that's a shout out to the ETVs of the world in South Africa who think that they're just going to create a streaming platform, put 12 seasons of Rhythm City on it, and anybody's going to spend any money on that trash. Hey, Anaconda. Anaconda. <laughs> Anaconda. But I mean, you know, the share of wallet discussion is, is a funny or it's an interesting one. Um, and kind of a sad one if you, talk about, if you think about it from the SA perspective because I think if you get Netflix and I'm talking about the maximum subscription that you can get right the best subscription that you can get Netflix, Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, um, Showmax and Disney Plus when it arrives here based on what we think they're going to price it'll cost you 600 grand for all of them per month DSTV Premium is 830 grand it really does feel like you're getting screwed over by paying for this and you really don't understand what exactly is the value that you're getting now that's now that's that's again if you want to get the full share the streaming wars in, in the u.s is all about how do we take because i think they as you said it's a developed market and i think streaming is kind of becoming the norm there now now it's all about which one do you pick which one do you choose uh, and that's where it becomes interesting for the streaming world. That's like, 
You know what's fascinating about that is DSTV has for a long time relied on the fact that data is prohibitively expensive in South Africa. And they got away with it, right? Because data is expensive, they'll turn to you and say, hey, we know it's going to cost you X amount per gig. And we know you watch X amount of gigs a month. It doesn't really make sense. You know what? We'll come out, we'll put a satellite for you. We'll plug this decoder in. And when you look at the DSTV boxes and the entire infrastructure around it, it is fucking archaic. Right? Think about it. There's a satellite sitting on your fucking roof. And then there's a decoder that you have to reset all the time. And then there's a smart card. And you think about all of these things put together in his most basic sense. And it's it's tantamount to using smoke signals to sell your girlfriend a text. That's what it is. That's how far behind it is. And once you bridge the connectivity gap, and data becomes more accessible, more affordable, and it penetrates into areas outside of an urban space. It's game one, right? Because then you're able to access platforms on demand. And there's been a shift in preferences with the increase in mobile penetration where people access entertainment, information, even education on their mobile devices. X as example is 92% of its community accesses every piece of content on a mobile device half of them are on iPhones it's not an issue but it, it, it just tells you that people have gone away from watching stuff on the TV all the time switching a, you know watching stuff sitting in front of a TV to watch a football game watch your laptops watch your mobile watching it on demand and, and streaming sites are, are picking up on that. You know, providers like Netflix are pairing subscriptions with data plans. You know, we, we guys are getting a lot more creative to work around that point. And it's no longer becoming a deal breaker. And I think that's what the whole DSTV Now point, I think that's perhaps why it, it cuts such a, you know, it, 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 it invokes such an illicit response. Because DSTV now, to be honest, should be it, it should it should be the default DSTV. There's no good yeah. reason why there should be a satellite on anybody's house if you could do this yeah. shit uh, digitally. There's no good reason why that isn't just DSTV. So why are y'all scrounging with this thing? When this is what we want. Next time on Dragon Ball Z.